This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that is here. I just speak a word of blessing over their life, Father, that you would just fill them to overflowing. And Lord, we just raise the level of expectation and faith here today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come upon me. Give to your people what they need right now. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. I want to just continue. This is the third week in our series on expectation, talking about the power of expectation. And I said this last week, that we, we need to understand that if God is going to do something, he looks for people who have expectation. Can I get an amen? No expectation. How many know which, that's what you're going to get? And, and that, what that means is, it means not just the pastor has to be the guy that pumps everybody up. You should come into church. Now, I know it's not going to happen every week because I know we have lions and bears and things that attack us. We come in and we've been beat up all week. And I just you come in and we go, oh, God, I need to be built up this week. And I need pastor. Oh, I sure, sure hope pastor's anointed because I need to be built up. Hey, church is here for you. Amen? God is here for you. But for the most part, we should come in expecting God to do something. Hey, how are you? God's going to show up. Man, you know what? God's going to move in that situation. Can I get an Amen. Raise the level. We got to raise the level. And God puts that, I believe, in our core. An atmosphere without expectation, it can kill your dreams. It destroys the hope that is within you. However, an atmosphere that has expectation is conducive to the supernatural. Did you get that? And it means that in that atmosphere, God moves. Now, he can, because he's sovereign, move you know, with or without any atmosphere because he's almighty. Can I get an amen? But he, he, he moves, and we see that in many examples in the scripture where there is expectation in the people, and God showed up. Uh, if we get, have time, I'll get into a situation where the people did not have expectation. The community had no expectation for God, and actually, to the Son of God, had an attitude towards him, and they were condescending, and I want to show you what happened in that situation. But... Uh, one of our texts that we shared last week was Luke 3.15. Luke 3.15. The Bible says, it says, in the people were in expectation. Can we say that together? And the people were in expectation. And it was actually about John coming on the scene and wondering, is this the Messiah? So there was expectation in the air. They were desperate people in eager expectation. I said that the Williams New Testament actually says that the people, watch this, they were on tiptoes in anticipation. How many have ever been on a tiptoes in anticipation? It's like something good is going to happen and I'm excited. Some of you looking at me like, well, that hasn't been happening in my life, Pastor Mike. You know, 
there are a number of Bible examples of, of, of stories that we have of where people were in expectation and God showed up. One of them I want to touch on is the lame man. The lame man in the temple in Acts 3, 1 to 10. Just quickly touch on it because we touched on it last week. Uh, but it says, Peter and John in, entered the temple at the hour of prayer. And the Bible tells us in verse 4 that Peter looked straight at this lame man. So this lame man from birth... He was born this way, he was set in the temple, and it was daily he would beg. That, that was his life. My, my calling in life is just to beg, for look to other people, alms, alms to the poor. And, you know, some people would give him money, and, and then they would bring him back. The Bible says that Peter said to him, look at us. And so the Bible says that that, that man gave them his attention, and it says this, expecting to get something from them. You know, God wants to use you, to flow through you, to give uh, blessings and healings and words of encouragement. Can I get an amen? But you have to be expecting that, and people that are expecting that. See, I, every, I, I'd be the first to admit that, you know, there are times and seasons the weight of the world can come upon you. Isn't that right? And you just feel like, man, I am not feeling it, Pastor. <laughs> I get that. I get that. God gets that. But you see, that's where the other brother or sister can come and encourage you, amen, to build you up. How many with me say amen? And so, and so the Bible says that they, they raised this man up. They raised this man up in healing, and he released faith because it was a breeding ground. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And so the question I just want to pose to you this morning is, are you expecting God to do something great this year in your life, in your family, in this church? That's my word. My word this year is expectation. I'm expecting something good is about to happen. I don't know what it is, but I'm believing God. That's my attitude. And if something bad happens, I don't care. That's just, you're just in the way. <laughs> because you're just in the way, but God's going to move that out of the way, and, and we're still going to expect something good. That's the attitude we should have. And so God wants to raise our level of expectation. You know, people say that, well, I have faith, you know, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I believe in God, I mean, and all that stuff. You know, I know you're a little radical there, Pastor, you know, and, you know, it's not kind of the, well, the world I live in, you know, and it's a little bit different. And, but, you know, the Bible says this about in James. It says in James 2.19, it says, you have, say you have faith and you believe that there is one God. James says, good for you. Even the demons believe and they tremble in terror. <laughs> That's kind of like a slap in the face. Oh, you believe in God? Good. Even the demons believe. And it's in this word, actually, they tremble in terror. Actually, in the Greek, it means the hair stands on end on the back of their neck in terror. <laughs> Even the demons believe and know. So we're talking about something here a little bit more than just saying, well, I, I mean, I believe. There's, a, there, there's something involved here. One, you know, commentator says, hey, just believing is not enough. Just to believe in God that he's there doesn't secure you for heaven. Can I get an Amen. You need to be born again. You need Christ in your life. You, you need to be converted. You say, what do you mean? I've never heard anything like that. That you are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit is going to live for an eternity. We've been told, uh, you know, and the landscape here has been told that, that you know, we're all God's children. No, listen, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Can I get an amen? But we're not all God's children. But God wants all people to be his child. Amen. So how do I become a child of God? You get converted. How do I do that? You receive Christ into your life. 
You ask for Christ to save you. You give him your life. You give him the reins of your life and say, fill me. I believe you died on the cross. I might not understand everything, and I might have some questions, but I trust you're the Savior, and you know how to run my life. That's how you get saved. And then you join the family of God. Somebody say amen. But this one commentator says, faith used here, he says, is about this, it's kind of the mere speculative faith, like you speculate. And he goes on to say that Barnes' commentary says, there is a faith that produces some effect, an effect of a very decided character. And it didn't indeed produce, watch this, good works or a holy life. Let me just tell you something. If you truly are saved, you will produce good works in a holy life. It doesn't mean that you are in a works mindset. The, the outgrowth of that authentic faith is going to produce good works. You know, how many, I think we send out the year-end letter, and we just put in everything that accomplished. I don't know if that's been mailed yet or whatever. It's in the mail or it's coming. But, but you're going to see the year-end review. You know what? Those are good works. And you know who did that? You all did that. Faith produces. It'll produce. When you get saved, you're not called to just come to sit in a church and look in the back of someone's head for the next 25 years until we do your funeral. Can I get an amen? No, you just get involved. And I love that about this church. It's an equipping church and empowering people. We're building a, a leadership bench here, and, and you're seeing various people come up here. I'm being very in, intentional about that. How many of you know, you guys, do you want me around for a little bit longer? And if you want my wife and around longer, live on this earth, we need your help. And help is coming. Help is coming. God is sending quality, God-fearing men and women. They're helping, being raised up here, helping in the youth ministry. Can I get an amen? Helping Kim. I mean, if you cut Kim's arm and she bled, she bleed youth. She, her DNA is youth. She loves the kids. I mean, I did youth pastoring for 10 years, but I can't say, I mean, I, mean, I love the kids in Christ, but, you know... Boy, they irritated me, you know. But I did it. Here's the thing about preaching to young people. They are unforgiving. <laughs> if you're boring, they'll go, ah. I mean, they'll just tell you right there. I'm done with this. <gasps> and they'll make huffs, you know, like at home. And like, I know you don't want to be here. She goes through all of that, but she just loves the kids. Her and Joel. Joel. Joel's heart is bigger than Joel. You know, I don't know what Joel weighs, but yes, come on. If, if Joel weighs 180 pounds, Joel's heart is 170. That, that's the type of guy he is. He is a loving guy. I mean, they're just a wonderful couple. And, and that's where, you know, you're, you send your youth to, and that's what they're under. Katie, Katie with the children's, and Katie has a heart for, for God, and she has a missions heart, but she also, you know, she does a tremendous job to try to, to uh, uh, and, you know, teach your kids and, and give them material and stuff that we're talking about that your kids are also being trained and discipled in, and, and somebody say, praise God. <laughs> you know what? That's what the importance of a local church. I mean, we all as parents, and we may not have really served the Lord faithfully when we grew up and we were a teenager and kind of sowing our wild oats, but the moment you get married and you have kids, you're all like, got to get them in church, you know, we got to get them into the youth group and, and get them trained. Good for you. You're a smart person. You're a smart couple. Amen? Because if you don't, the devil will. Can I get an Amen. If you don't, the devil will. He always has a substitute out there to pull them away, and he'll continue to be pulling. So this faith that we're talking about, it produces good works and a holy life, a faith which will produce that which will lead to a holy life. <clears throat> that's, you know you have the, that's how you know you have the real deal.
Now, let me just say this. We need to understand that faith and expectation are not the same thing, per se. Although they are closely related, faith and expectation are distinctly different. Let me see if we can explain this through this quote. You can have faith without expectation, but you can't have expectation without faith. Can I get an amen? That's the truth. And so this is why expectation is so important. It's a catalyst. It's a, it's a, it's a, a pump you up. It's a, it's a thing that, that causes our faith to explode when we expect. Here's the thing. I say this uh, in youth ministry. If you feed it, it'll grow. If you starve it, it'll die. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? If your life is full of negative country and western music, come on, can I get an amen? Where so-and-so left so-and-so, and, you know, it's all about me, and I'm not saying some songs, are, I'm not saying they're all bad. Please, I don't have my head in the sand. All right, but, you know, there's some good, you know, some you know, wonderful country and western singers that love God, and, all right, but you got to understand, garbage in, garbage out. Your brain is just a filter. It's like a pond. You know, the reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is there's no outlet. It's just, it's just flows from the Jordan into it, and it's no outlet. It's the Dead Sea. And I've floated in the Dead Sea. It's 25% salt. I mean, it's like, wow, it's dead. It literally is dead. And so our lives to be alive that, yes, yeah, stuff comes into us, but we need to be able to get it out. We need to be able to release that. How many with me say Amen. So, so let me just continue on here and, and quickly see how far we can go. But I want to talk to you about the second uh, individual they hear that had expectation was blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10. Love this story. It always blesses me when I share it. And this guy was a blind, but he was an expected beggar. He expected. And I, I could just, I'm going to speculate. I'm going to embellish a little bit. It's not in the Bible, but this is what I, I think. And possibly I'm right. But I believe he heard about Jesus somewhere. Because it said that the fame of Christ went throughout all Judea. Let me tell you something. If you knew someone that had a deadly disease or they were lame or they were blind here in Alexandria. And all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and I was walking through Walmart and I saw them and I laid my hands on them. Come on now. Come with me. And they got raised up out of that wheelchair. How many know the, there wouldn't be enough room in this building next Sunday? They wouldn't, because people would be coming, skeptics would be coming, and this guy would be running around going, hallelujah, I'm healed. Well, that spread like wildfire when Jesus walked the earth. So I believe that he heard about Jesus, and there was rumors were spreading and that, that the son of David is here, and he's doing miracles. He's working miracles, and he thought, I want, if he ever comes to Jericho, I'm going to get my healing. And so he heard something, watch this, and he, and, and he incubated that. That's how faith starts. You hear something and something gets attached. You attach your faith to it. You know what? If it happened for them, it could happen to me. And see, what happens is the enemy kills us right there. That's where he, start, he stop, stops us right there. He goes, if it happened to them, oh, it'll never happen to me. And no expectation arises. And so God is challenging each and every one of us here this morning to have expectation and say, you know what? If God did that before, he is no respecter of people. He is a respecter of principles, but not a respecter of people. So let me continue. And so as Jesus, 
He's, he's leaving Jericho with his followers, and, and he comes to that community. Bartimaeus, who is sitting by the highway side on the dirt road, he's begging, and he calls out. He calls out because he heard. He said, what's that ruckus? He said, I don't know, the Jesus, the, who's claimed to be the Messiah, the son of David, is coming through. And he went, that's it, the guy I've been waiting for. I've been blind my whole, you know, whole life here. And, and so he cries out. He says, son of David, have mercy upon me. You know, we all have something to shout about. I said, we all have something to shout about. This man was blind, but he shouted out. How many know that God has been good to you? God has been faithful to you. God brought you through, even though you may have lost the house and you may have lost the car or you may have lost the loved one, but, but God still is good. He brought you through. Maybe the divorce was bitter and it was painful, but God brought you through. A new day. Can I get an amen? And so, and so we all have something to shout about, just like blind Bartimaeus. He shouted. You know, it's, you need to understand something that, 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 that God, when he does these wonderful things in our lives, we need to thank him. One of the reasons why the children of Israel, they, they, had, they didn't enter into promised land and you know, they had unbelief, but they, had, they were thankless. Think of experiencing being a young kid at that time and seeing those supernatural, miraculous miracles in Egypt and that deliverance and just complaining and murmuring in the wilderness. I just, I just, I just can't understand that, but the truth of the matter is I can. Because you know what? When you've cried out and you've asked God to bring you through something and you ask for his help and you say, I need you, Jesus. And you know what? He shows up. Not maybe in the way you thought, but he shows up and he brings you through. You know what we do? We forget. We forget. Amen? And, and, and it's like we just forget. We forget. But one Bible commentator says this, that the term, he said, the son of David, actually it means you are the Messiah. So Jesus is walking Okay, watch this. He's walking, by the way, and, and, and blind Bartimaeus is screaming out, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You are the son of David. Have mercy upon me. And he's just kind of still walking. <clears throat> and, 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 and the crowd starts to just to nag him and say, hey, shut up. Be quiet. You're a filthy old beggar with your garment there. Just leave him alone. I mean, this is, you know, this is a great teacher right here. And, and he just, he said he wouldn't be quiet. And he, and he began to scream, and he probably stood up with his, his cane and screamed. He could, could hear the direction that Jesus was, and he wouldn't quit. The, you know, here's the thing about the crowd. You can't follow the crowd. Because the crowd will curse you one minute and praise you the next second. Oh, yes. You know, and so you have to follow what God says. And this man was passionate. He had expectation. He was following the Lord. How many with me say amen? And so <clears throat> notice in verse 49, it said, Jesus stood still. I like that. You know, we need Jesus to stand still this year. You need Jesus to stand still in your life. You've been praying for something, and you're needing God, and you need Jesus. When Jesus stands still, he's about to act. <laughs> he's about to do something awesome, and I believe that. I believe Jesus is coming to this place, and he's standing still. He's about to do something in and through all the lives of this and the families of this church. I believe that. And it said this. It said, he commanded them to bring the man to him and ask. And then he asked him, he says, what do you want? That's kind of a, a dumb question, isn't it? I mean, hello, you know, you know exactly. How many of you know if you had somebody coming and they were blind and, and you're like, well, they're coming and they, they want to heal. They want me to lay hands and pray for them for, for their sight. You would know that. Isn't that right? Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He said, what do you want? And he could have probably asked anything at that time. I think Jesus would have given it to him. But he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight, that I may receive my sight. 
And Jesus says, you know, said, yeah, you know what? Because of your faith. Somebody shout, your faith. He was immediately restored. Now, we know the power of God was there, okay? And how many know that you can't do nothing without him? But I think we take a posture and a mindset, and it goes back to that Calvinistic, the hyper-Calvinistic mindset that if it's going to be, you know, it's all up to the Lord. He does everything. I can do nothing. I'm just a worm, and you know, and he is the, the king. And, and, and unless God moves, nothing's going to happen. You know what? I can't tell you how many times the Lord told men and women of God, you go out and do something. You stretch your rod. Moses across the sea and watch it split. You know, Joshua, you stand up and, you know, you hold the arms of Aaron and her. You do these things. And God moves with us. He doesn't, he can move without us. He's omnipotent. But he has chosen to limit himself, I believe, through the affairs of men and women. That that's how he works. And so we get frustrated and think, you know, I don't like the way things are right now. I don't like this, you know. These things need to change, okay? God wants to move through you for something. What is that? How many with me say amen? And so, so Jesus didn't even lay hands upon him. I'm believing that for this church. Did you hear me? I'm believing that for this church. It's under the preaching and teaching and worship and the word that people are healed. Stuff happens in the church. And like, who prayed for you? Nobody can take any praise or glory but God. Because nobody laid hands on you. God touched you. And when God touches you, you're well. You're made whole. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he was, he was raised up. He saw his sight. And you know, faith, it can release God's power, but it's directly connected to having expectation. Now, there's a striking story in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And it's about Jesus not working any miracles, per se, in his hometown, Nazareth. So in other words, you could just liken it like this, that if you grew up in the Alexandria area, or maybe you're from Glenwood or Starbuck, or you're from... Brandon or Garfield, and, you know, whatever your surrounding community and Park, Parker's Prairie, and you know, that, that, that's kind of the area you grew up in, and you go away, and then you come back, and you, you know, hey, I'm a minister of the gospel, or I'm a woman teacher of the Bible, or whatever, and you know what, people could kind of go, well, I remember you, man, I remember that time you were drunk, and the cops picked you up, I mean, who do you think you are, that's the attitude that they had, because Jesus went back to his hometown, this is the son of God. This is the Son of God. And the Bible says that uh, it's a, a careful reading of the study of the verses in the original Greek text reveals that um, it says that Jesus, in that situation, because they didn't refuse to believe him, they despised and disdained. They didn't have expectation. They kind of had this. Watch this. Arms crossed. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, pretty radical there, Luke. Kind of crazy Italian pastor, but we'll, we'll see. Really? Is that really going to happen? The, the, the Jesus, in that atmosphere, even though he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that Colossians says he holds the, the universe together by the, the word of the power of his mouth, it's that he could do no mighty miracles in there. That is astonishing to me. There's a principle there God wants. It's written there for a reason. He's trying to show us something. It's like, wait a minute. How you come to church on a Sunday morning with expectation affects that service. How you're greeted with the greeters and, and, the, and, the, and the expectation that they have and those that serve here. It sets the tone for miracles. It does. It sets the tone. 
And so it said this, that he could not work miracles in Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people. Now, here's the thing. I'm not implying, let me just backtrack here a little bit, that Christ didn't have enough power, that something was wrong with his spiritual condition. It is clear, however, that somehow his hometown neighbor's unbelief, watch this, blocked God's power from succeeding from Christ to them. Unbelief. Somebody shout unbelief. That's what the devil uses, unbelief. Well, I tried that one time. didn't work. Actually, tried that many times. I don't know about that. Oh, it seems real confusing. You know what? If it didn't work out, trust again. If it didn't work out, believe again. If it didn't work out, hope again. If it didn't work out, give again. <laughs> Amen? Because why? There are spiritual forces at work trying to stop you and I from getting a hold of God's blessing. There is. There is. Spiritual forces. And we see that pictured here. And so, so the scriptures don't say that he didn't want to do any miracles or that he chose not to do miracles. Mark 6, 5 says this is quite clear. He, Jesus, could do no miracle here except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Well, I would take just a few sick people and healing. Amen. I mean, you, I think that's written in there just to know that, you know what, I still, I, I, got, I got the juice. I got the power. God knew that. But it says there were mighty miracles. So there was something in connecting with expectation in faith. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> uh, there's a real dynamic of faith where unbelief, watch this, can hinder God's power from flowing through us. I'm going to conclude here, and I just want you to stand, and, and we're going to pray. But uh, James 1, 6 and 7, we are instructed. You can stand this morning. We're, we're, we're pretty much done here, and I'll continue, Lord willing, next week. Watch this. The Bible says, ask in faith without any doubting. You say, how do I, I don't know, Pastor Mike, I just have a lot of doubts. The reason is it could be twofold. Number one, the enemy, he's, he's causing, causing you to, to doubt. He's speaking voices. Uh, how many know there's more voices than just one? Your voice. The voice of God is the voice of the devil. Is your voice, your human spirit, and then there's what I call the pizza voice. You, you, you did not eat good that night before, and you had squirrely dreams, and you think, oh, forget about it, eat healthy, amen? <laughs> Worship team, you can come up here. <clears throat> but we're instructed to ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man, let not that woman... Let not that mother, let not that father, grandfather, let not that teenager think that they can expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow. The key is that word doubting. And it goes back to that statement when I said garbage in, garbage out. You say, Pastor, I don't know. I've just been doubting. You know that if you just took 13 minutes a day, they tell this through uh, our brains and neurological uh, neurologists that have studied that, that if you just took just 13 minutes and you just actually timed it, put it on your phone, 13 minutes of just reading God's word, worshiping God, um, uh, music, that your whole brain starts to change and you start to think differently. Things become clear. 13 minutes. 13 minutes. Ask in faith without any doubting. Every head bowed, please. We're talking about the power of expectation. We see examples where 
the lame man and blind Bartimaeus, they had expectant hearts. But we see an example to the negative of how Jesus went in his hometown and, and the, the, the people there, the culture there. They didn't expect anything. They didn't believe much of anything. They were kind of ho-hum, and that's what they got. And I think God is speaking to us that as a church, it shouldn't be just Pastor Mike or Pastor Rhonda or, or, or Angie and Chad and the staff and the leadership and those that serve here, that they should be the ones that are excited all the time, lifting everybody up. We should come in with expectant hearts. We should be people that are feeding our spirit throughout the week. So when we step through those doors, we go, hallelujah, God is about to do something good. And when someone steps through those doors and they have lions and bears and they feel the oppression, you can just say, in Jesus' name, you're gonna, that oppression is going to leave. It's going to break off of your life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you. Galatians 6, 9 states, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in the due season, for in the due season... My brothers and sisters, there's a due season for every single one of you. Every single one of you, not in 10 years from now, this year. This year, there's a due season. If you can expect God, he will bring that due season in your life. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So I just want to pray for those of you here. Maybe you've come and you said, you know, as I touched on earlier at the beginning of the service about, well, you believe in God. And, and I shared that verse about, hey, there's some, the demons believe. They're not going to make it to heaven. And they're not going to heaven just because they believe. There's something different. Faith is action. It's decision. You decide to believe. You're here this morning. You said, you know, I've maybe never even heard that. I, I didn't know we could do that. I just thought I was, you know, the big man upstairs and kind of knew my name. And that's about it. When I die, I hope I make it. No, the Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. That's you here this morning. I want to challenge you to receive Jesus in your life, to be born again. So how do I do that? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're not joining this church, but you will join the family of God, and God will change your life. You'll experience God like never before. I believe that. If that's you, let's pray corporately. Say to me, say, Jesus... I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, Curtis. You will lift my head above the mighty waves. You are able to keep me from stumbling, and in my weakness, you are the strength that comes from within, good shepherd of my soul, take my hand and I want to just provide opportunity. I know we need to tear down and we need to do that, but it's still very vital. It's important that people get ministered to. So I want to invite the altar workers to come forward at this time, and maybe we can conglomerate, conglomerate a little bit more closer here to the center so where other activities are going on. And, and I just want to invite you, if you need prayer, 
you need hands laid upon you or you just need someone to stand in agreement with you or maybe you're going through something that was touched on here these are prayed up people these are anointed people these people are here for you amen and so I just invite you if you don't have to bolt out of here and you need ministry let them just pray with you agree with you that's what they're here for let me bless you father we just thank you for this morning we thank you for your word going forth I bless the people of God here today I thank you for them Lord, we have expectant hearts here at Harvest. We feel like something good is going to happen. Not, Lord, not just here in the church. Lord, oh, dear God, we pray for the Minnesota Vikings, too, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Even though I'm from New England and Tom Brady and his hand. Lord, heal his hand after February 4th in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, we have expectant hearts here today. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.